All right, Mario. Good morning, my fellow Jacksonvillian. Yep, good morning. Mm. How, do you, how do you like the coffee? It's good, man. It's, it's, good. Uh, it's, it's Tim Hortons. Oh, Tim Hortons coffee? Yeah, yeah it's got some good, yeah, good flavor to it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. We support good patriotic companies, even if they're not American. <laughs> in this household. What, Horton's not American? No, they're Canadian. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I got... Tanned yeah. Hortons. I didn't know that. Tanned Hortons. Well, that's good coffee, yeah. but... And we are not trying... I don't know. We're going to get in trouble if it says Starbucks over I there. I highly doubt it. No. Yeah. We're not trying... We're not promoting no. them we're or anything. We're not promoting We're just Starbucks. using their cups that that's they right. had. That's right. Because they're 16-ounce cups. Mm-hmm. That yeah, we, we just want to be able to drink something. That's but, right. Uh, that's right. But yeah, we're at a day, where are we, at day five of the recession now, officially? Yeah, day five. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you know when you're in a recession? <laughs> well, according to a podcast that I was on via LinkedIn last week, uh, the Fed chair for San Francisco, I can't remember her name, uh, she said that we're not in a recession, that we're in, in a slight, you know, dip. Slight dip. Yeah, slight That's a dip. recession, right? Yeah. Which was kind of interesting because uh, my comments... Uh, as you know me, I'm very lively and very uh, opinionated at times. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had a lot of thumbs up from the comments that I made. There was how many thousands of people on that call? Oh, God, I got to remember. There was like 75,000 people on it mm-hmm. from around the, around the world. Which call was it with? It was the the, the San Francisco Fed chair. Oh, San Francisco Fed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, because you're on that call yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And it was one of those LinkedIn learn in whatever podcast deals which was live yeah and uh, i recorded it also i got it so yeah it was interesting now they don't let you speak to them it was you know via messaging yeah but uh yeah the, the two young ladies that were hosting the call were definitely doing some butt kissing which was hilarious and i'm thinking come on linkedin get with the program was it just a way of kind of kind of like you know burying your head in the sand per yes, se like they can absolutely. go home at night easier and sleep and just know that yeah. the big bad man man bear pig isn't out there trying that is to right. harm them okay that is correct yes sir yes, okay sir. i got you yeah it was fun yeah <laughs> for me and the few of us that were commenting yeah because we're all just dropping bombs on them <laughs> <laughs> like are you ridiculous right now like seriously well, I mean, awesome. I, I mean, is, it, you know, is it, you know, you think it's the, you know, you think it's like the, um, you think it's like the Fed's job to kind of calm down public angst and everything like that? It's part of their um, mission statement. Yeah, because they're supposed to work hand in hand with the Treasury. Yeah. The U.S. Treasury. Yeah. That's their job. Well, they're, I mean. I mean, they, they, they essentially run monetary policy. That's, that's their job. Yeah. You know. Well, we've we been in we've been in what QE, quantitative easing for how many years now? Since two thousand and ten? Yeah, two thousand ten. Twelve years. I, yeah, I think that's when it, it might have. I mean, it might have actually. Yeah, I think it was two thousand ten. The bottom from the market crash in oh seven oh eight was really like what March of two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Yeah, March. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, fourteenth or thirteenth. Yeah. Something like that. Right before St. Patrick's Day. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And I think ever since then, the market, you know, that was a new low that the market hasn't, you know, gone past since then. So. Yes. So we've been we've been fortunate there. But now that bottom is Correct. so far away. Yep. <laughs> if it were to get back down there again, you think losing 40 percent, your uh, IRA is bad right now. Try well, losing 90. year to date, as I was checking the markets this morning at 0500 because I'm an early riser. Yeah. Year to date, the markets overall have been down between 35 and 42 percent. 
Yeah. Depending on which index you're looking at. So since January 1st. Correct. 2022. Okay. Yes. And I never gave you a proper, in I was going to add a <laughs> intro to, like, I always add, like, an intro before yeah. the start of the podcast. So, sure. but you can do it right now and give your introduction. Sure. So Mario Herphy, Herphy Financial Services. So Herfie, What do you do and why do you do it? Why, why we do what we do and who we are. So I started Herphy Financial Services, LLC, January 23rd of 2017. Um, I had previously worked with Prudential Advisors, prior to them, AXA, which is equitable. And then prior to them, I started my career in the financial services industry with Northwestern Mutual. Yep, and, another um, big name company. Yes. So the reason we started Herfie Financial Services yeah, why, 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 why leave away from a support network like AXA and Nationwide? Um, oh, you mean Northwestern Mutual? Or Northwestern, I'm sorry. And yeah. Prudential. Yeah. So those are captive relationships. Yeah. And when you work for a captive broker-dealer, it's very challenging when you know you have other avenues of how to best serve your client's needs. Yeah. And you're not able to give that full service when you work in a captive environment. Yeah, because AXA, you know, AXA and Northwestern, like, they've got good products. But with any company, you know, they're, you know, not all their products are going to fit all the customers. Correct. So, and again, we do still work with those companies yeah. as brokers for our clients because, again, they do have some great products and services. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the other aspect of it, very simply put, is this. I've always been an entrepreneur. Yeah. I've, I've owned many different companies throughout the years, still do, not just insurance and financial services firms. Yeah. And if you don't build your own, you're always going to be a slave to somebody else. Gotcha. And that's part of the American dream. Yeah. To own, put out your own shingle. Put so, your own shingle, but but it's not all it's 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 <laughs> not a it's not all it's it's not just instant turnkey like hey I opened up my business and now I can do twelve or I can do twelve minutes of work in the morning and just go <laughs> golfing the rest of the day. I, I, I wish it was that simple. Um, it's the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah, well I used to, I used to be captive also, right. and it's amazing like you know when you become like it's a because like the you know the big companies the wholesalers. You know, they're great because they give you so much support because those companies, I think, you know, I think like, you know, Nationwide, Prudential, uh, Lincoln, I think they like the independent model because they know that you've only got like a small book of clients, especially if you're a small company and you're talking, you know, less than 300 people. Um, and so anything more than that, you know, it starts to get to be a bigger firm. But most, you know, I, I can't remember what the number is, but most uh, most advisors or independents in the financial service industry, they've got a book of business of about 100 clients. That's the average. Yeah, between yeah. 100 and 200. Yeah. Because that's if you go any bigger than that as an independent yeah. individual without any support as far as office support and so forth and back office support, then you yeah. really start challenging your customer service. Uh, which again, in, in our ethos and our motto at Herfy is very simple. We personalize our service to meet our clients' needs. Yep. And we won't veer away from that. We're very particular with the types of clients that we bring, take on. Yeah. It's because we're a boutique niche shop. Mm -hmm. And our clients love that because they know they can pick up the phone and, and make a phone call and they'll reach either myself or one of our other advisors. Yeah. And they're going to get personalized service. Yeah. That's it. So no eight hundred calls. Yeah. No robo advisories. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're not, you know, you're not in a situation where you get like, a, like, because, you know, the payouts are what the payouts are for every independent. It's not like, uh, 
you know, it's not like you get, uh, it, it's not like you get compensated or get sent on some luxurious trip if you sell this much of this company's product or this much of this one or something like that. We're carrier agnostic and yeah. product agnostic because again, our core is, we're a buyer's agent, yeah, not a seller's agent. Gotcha. And unfortunately, most independents out there, whether it's insurance services or financial services firms, they're somehow tied to a non-captive captive model yeah. where they have to promote a certain product or service to get the so-called benefits of uh, the trips or yeah. whatnot. In our case and model and how we've structured Herfy, uh, we don't care about that. Yeah. It, it, that's not part of our, our structure. Yeah. Do, do we offer those same benefits? Absolutely. Yeah. But we offer them in a, in a holistic fashion. Yeah. Where it well, doesn't matter what carrier or service you provide to the client, you still build up, as we call in the business, GDR. Mm -hmm. GDR. It's, it's GDR, I guess, how would you say it? Um, I can't think of the term off the top of my head. I just know it's called a GDR. Yeah. I don't GDR. remember that. It's an acronym. I, I've heard it. I can't remember what it means, though, just because I'm so used to calling it G, you know, GDR. Yeah. Gross. I don't know. What is it? Uh, gross. Gro there's gross domestic product. That's no, that's GDP. not it. That's GDP. Yeah. Uh, it's essentially how much business you're writing. Yeah. You know, how you track your metrics, gotcha. your sales. Gotcha. Uh, whether it's insurance services or financial services at the end of the day. It's yeah. essentially, it's a commissionable premium. Gotcha. Um, and commissionable service. Or if you have AUM, assets under management, mm -hmm. same thing. So, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, the nice thing about that is, I mean, like, right, you know, like if you, um, you know, if you got into the business, around 2015 and so you know you start a book of clients and if you if you had 100 clients and you put them all in S&P 500 index funds okay right if you started that back in like 2013 or 14 if you had done that for the last you know seven years mm -hmm. you would have looked like a genius sure uh, but now not so much the case correct yeah and that's the challenge with products and services that are tied to indexes Again, they're great tools to have and utilize within a client's buckets because we have to have different buckets at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, not just one or two or three. Uh, and again, that, that depends on the client's needs. Yeah. Uh, which is how we focus our, our business model and how we work with our clients. And we do a holistic approach. We do a, a full thorough analysis. And we do a more than just an annual review with our clients. We do a minimum of actually a monthly. Yeah. Because things change, and especially as we've seen over the last two years and especially the last six, seven months now, uh, the markets have changed dramatically. Yeah. Just like we discussed earlier. So we do a minimum of a monthly Yeah. Uh, with our clients. So right, so like right now, like, you know, there's a lot of people who wish that, you know, let, let, you know they would have been happy with a 200% gain over the last few years, but they don't. They also don't want to have that risk. So there's a lot of people that were in a conservative mutual fund. Sure. So their market, their equity exposure is not doing so hot, and their conservative bond exposure is not doing so hot either. So these Correct. conservative funds that we've relied on for years are not doing so hot. So what's a product that's out there that maybe will let you, you know, get like a certain percentage of gains, but also there's a floor to it. Sure. That's got, that says, hey, you can only lose this much. At the end of the day, that's where our actual asset managers come to play that work within Herfee Financial Services uh, Trusted Advisor Network Partner Program. Yeah. 
which you're a member of mm -hmm. in, your, in your firm, your company. So our asset managers work very diligently every day with a specific formula system that they've devised over their 44 years of experience combined where they minimize the, the floor. And, and as far as the floor, what I mean by that is the exposure. Yeah. Okay. They minimize the exposure of the client's mm -hmm. overall asset, you know, base, you know, let's say the, the client has a million dollars. Yeah. Because honestly, that's the clients that we work with are what we call institutional investors mm -hmm. because they're more savvy. They understand the more, I wouldn't say complex, but yeah, the more sophisticated, sophisticated in, yeah. you know, investment models at the end of the day. And plus it's hard to make the same types of adjustments in a smaller portfolio because you just have have the room to play with. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, my team is absolutely amazing and they've been able to show, at least thus far this year, to our existing clients, um, on average, you know, the the quote unquote downside has only been between seven to twelve percent versus everybody else is closer to thirty five, forty percent. Yeah, track yeah, because you're getting all the yeah, you're getting a decrease in value from the equity exposure and also that interest rate risk Correct. is being played out because of rising interest rates. Correct. Correct. So if you so like if you have somebody that's uh you know maybe you know so if you've got somebody that's maybe in their early sixties mm -hmm. and they've got the house paid off they don't have any debt and they've got their pot of money say maybe a million dollars or something like sure. that and they were expecting just to start taking uh you know they're expecting to take maybe five percent off of that per year well well i mean you know you're draining it and also you're not uh you know the other problem with that is if you're taking five percent out of a million right and that million is you know isn't keeping up with, with inflation you taking well exactly right. that's why you get a decrease in the value of right. it. right and we have strategies to help mitigate that absolutely yeah. yeah because again these are all actively managed accounts yeah by a professional team of not just advisors but truly um, asset managers yeah. that have been in this industry a long time, longer than I've been around, and yeah. they know what they're doing. Plus, again, they have specifically developed um, algorithmic models that are proprietary to Herfie Financial Services and our clients, Yeah, and um, they're reaping the benefits. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that, that's your typical client is, is the person that's uh, retiring or Getting already ready retired. To retire, right. Well, yeah. we call that the retirement red zone. Yeah. Right. Five years prior, five years in and five years after. Yeah. Correct. M mine, mine's a little different. Like for, for like I like to find clients who want to live off their savings, maybe they inherited money or something sure. like that. And they just sure. want to live off of it, live like a bare minimum, minimalistic lifestyle. Gotcha. Not, you know, not exactly recommended. You should, you know, you should be earning money in your prime working years, not just having, you know, you shouldn't retire too early. But correct for the people that want to do it, there's strategies like that Absolutely. out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we can work with those clients as well. Yeah. So, so from, you know, a big thing that clients want to do is they have to pass, they have to pass their wealth down to their kids or their grandkids, right? Correct. Well, legacy planning. Yeah. So right. in between that bucket you know, going from one generation to the next, who's the guy that's poking holes in it, trying to get all the money out of it? Who who's is that the guy? guy? Yeah, who um, is that? I think it's called the government. <laughs> Last time I checked. And they just changed those rules and regulations, if I'm not mistaken, in 2020. Yeah. So what were those changes that happened? You talk about with... Um... If I, if I, again, it's been a while since I've read the 
the act or the law that was passed. Yeah. But if 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 I'm not mistaken, it has to do with the generational um, legacy part of how you can distribute your assets once you've passed away to your heirs. It used to be you had an extended period of time of what being able to slowly yeah minimize that exposure or not exposure but minimize the taxation yeah on how you got the distributions out where now you have a cap of 10 years yeah and once those 10 years are up that's it yeah you gotta uncle sam wants their money yeah both every which and way that's with a qualified or non-qualified it, doesn't matter. IRA. it makes yeah. no difference gotcha. yeah whether it's qualified money or not because this new law was passed which in my professional and personal opinion was wrong yeah should have never been done especially when we had so-called republicans <laughs> in charge of the you know the house and the senate back then yeah um but either which way it's nothing that you and i can change unfortunately yeah but, yeah we have strategies to help mitigate that as well gotcha gotcha okay so so i mean you've got um you know you've also got well i mean you know the stock market's been doing great the last couple of years because you know let's face it the tax cuts under trump were great because corporations all of a sudden had all these tax savings correct and what they do they bought they bought more of their comp they can buy their own shares correct. companies they can did buy a lot of shares. corporate buybacks absolutely uh, and not just because of the tax cuts in our data tracking which is 99% of what we do is data tracking yeah analytics because data is everything yeah. in our business you know that mm -hmm. um, yeah, we you don't make fly by the seat of it. our pants because again you have to analyze data in order to make uh, proper decisions at the end of the day because you have to be forward facing and the long and the short of it is unfortunately because of what happened in 07, 08, 09 and 2010 because of the feds uh, how do I say this politely mismanagement mismanagement yeah okay. that's, that's pretty polite because of their mismanagement and they got into the business of actually uh, funding a lot of these corporate giants yeah. by giving them interest-free loans for ever, mm -hmm. uh, which you and I could never get a hold of. Ever. I wish I could. I wish I could too. We'd have but to start a big company that'd though. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, if we go back to historical data, again, going back to 2008, 10 and so forth, and move forward to today, uh, they're the ones that are truly winning. Yeah. The the smaller, even institutional investors that we just discussed, are, are client base. They're still too small to mm -hmm. really benefit from that. You have to have a minimum of let's say 100 million, or 500 million, or a billion. Yeah. Uh, to truly get those rewards from from the federal government, because that's where they're coming from. Yeah. At the end of the day, um, and the little guys, we always suffer. The yeah. All right, so we're yes, where were we? Okay, so we're talking about how the the taxpayers footing the bill for everybody, right? It's just you know, it's a complete disaster. It's not a perfect system, but we got you know, it's it's a it's a controlled burn. Uh, that's one way of putting it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what's the? So we're not you know we don't even really once the new tax. So we got a situation where right now where uh, interest rates are rising, and they're right? not rising fast enough. That's the other challenge. Yeah. Okay, because we again historically when we look back and look at the data, we've had these issues in the past, mm -hmm. uh, and let's just say a hundred years yeah. since the Federal Reserve was enacted in December of two thousand no nineteen thirteen. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so when we look at the historical data, 
that's not the first time we've gone through this type of a, a challenge. Yeah. And again, the players that cause these issues are the government. Yeah. Always has been, always will be. So the best way to mitigate that exposure yeah. is by working with people like myself and yourself that are actively engaged every day to help minimize that exposure and risk yeah. as much as possible. There's no 100% guarantees because neither one of us control what? Yeah. Legislation. Well, see, it's, it's interesting you mention that because, like, you know, take, like, Bitcoin, for example. Sure. Uh, a year ago, you and I will have been considered, oh, see, those guys, those Wall Street guys over there, they stay at their Main Street, they're a bunch of crooks, part of the problem. Right. I'm getting into Bitcoin or cryptocurrency because it's completely safe. Then all of a sudden, the government starts regulating it, and you yep. see it Just nosedive. Came. Well, there's multiple reasons why that's happened. Yeah. Because, the again, the big players, and I don't need to name companies, our listeners are very, you know, informed. Yeah. And they already know who the players are. Yeah. Uh, again, it's Wall Street. And yeah. it's not just the U.S., it's global. And at the end of the day, what they've done is they set these different cryptos, and we'll just use, you know, Bitcoin for an example because you mentioned them. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they positioned themselves, and I'm talking about the big boys, again, the cabal, because that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a global cabal. cabal, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, they positioned themselves in such a fashion where they... Um, how do I say this? I gotta think in English. They essentially set it up to fail on purpose. They crafted, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they wanted to come in and get the street to pay for it. Yeah. To bump the price up. Yeah. Right. Do a pump and dump. Yeah. And then they'll come in when the dump happens and buy everything up for pennies on the dollar, like well, they've always done. Well, see, why don't why why doesn't your uh, why doesn't your average Joe American do that though? Because like we can take advantage of that. I, I mean, agree. Well, we had the yeah. Wall Street bets. Yeah. That's what those folks did, and I was part of that group. Yeah. And we did really well. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, the challenge with most people is they keep forgetting that they have the power. Yeah. Not the big boys, not the cabal. Collectively, yeah. Collectively, we have the power. Yeah. Right? Because until we live in a dictatorship, as long as voting machines are working. Yeah, well, that's a whole <laughs> separate conversation. <laughs> you and I you and I have, yeah. have been to our local... Uh, uh, supervisors of elections that had some great tours. Oh yeah, some great conversations with those folks. Well, no, Florida, Florida, you know, they messed. Up, you know, I, I think Florida was kind of like, uh, I think Florida was kind of like that. Um, you know, the husband that got caught cheating by his wife. <laughs> yeah. You know, back at, back during the Bush Gore <laughs> thing, and like, what's this hanging chat over here? Then all of a sudden, we're like, no, no, honey, we're going to change. And all That's of a sudden, right. yeah. We're like, we don't do that. Yeah. Oh, voter fraud. We don't do that anymore. Yeah. That's all. I think that's a, a separate topic for a separate day. Mm. Yeah. Because that's, that could be an hour long conversation. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, the, you know, the, the, you know, we don't live, you know, we do not live in a deregulated market. We live in a regulated market. Overregulated. Yeah. Overregulated. Overregulated. Definitely. Like Absolutely. you're still free to invest in whatever that you'd like to. However, um, you got to do it the way the government wants it to be done. Yeah, exactly. So and we're not truly a free market economy. We never have been. No, 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 no. no. It's, 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 uh, you know, it, it's, it's free in the sense it might be freer than a dictatorship. Not by much. Yeah, not, not by, by much. much. <laughs> but that one little that margin little right part, there. A little part. If you can capitalize yeah. off of that. So, so like, you know, every recession, there's opportunities in every recession. Agreed. Right. Absolutely. So I mean, like, you know, r like right now, um, you know, take vehicle sales. I think sure. they, I think vehicles and home prices have gotten one of the biggest hits. And down here, in, you know, when it comes to like overvalue, that's a fact. Yes. So, but that's that cycle, especially in the housing market, we see it, especially in Florida. Yeah, it's a ten-year cycle. Yeah, and we're actually 
within that 10-year mark. Yeah. Uh, so it's not uncalled for for the state of Florida. Yeah. It makes perfect sense, even though, again, a lot of folks complain about it because they, yeah. they don't understand the historical data, um, which is okay. That's yeah. why we're here to help educate them. So what if somebody told you, Mario, you're stupid, you should not be investing in the market because it's rigged, but the real estate market, on the other hand, that's where to keep your money right there. That should be a bucket. Yeah. That always needs to be a bucket for any person or any entity, any company or organization. You always want to have some real estate. But the challenge with real estate is if you don't structure it properly, it becomes illiquid. Yeah. So you have to have some liquidity. Yeah. And you also have to have uh, proper tax planning. Yeah. And you have to work with a team of uh, good advisors. Yeah. Trusted advisors uh, like ourselves, a great CPA firm, a great attorney firm that know exactly how to work within the system to benefit. Yeah. And that's really as simple as it gets. Yep, definitely. So wh where do you see, so like uh, 2022, right? Yep. Um, so, you know, we we you know we're watching the news and everything right now, and it's you know the you know we're we're in a recession officially because we are had, we apparently according yeah, to the White House we're still just kind of chilling. Well, I, I think if the White House says we're chilling, and you actually look at what the definition of a recession is, and that's two consecutive quarters of a decrease in GDP. Correct. I'm saying this from memory. I could be, but it's two consecutive two or quarters, four, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what and that's what we've had. So we're officially in a recession. Correct. So, you know, for 2022, is it still business as usual or, you know, because I'm a believer that the dollar is still the best house in a bad neighborhood. Currently, yes. Yeah. The, Everyone's looking for alternatives. What to do with my money? As far as Forex goes, we, we used to play in the Forex market years back, and we've slowly backed out of that for, for two very simple reasons. There's too much volatility. Mm hmm And... It's always been that way. Yeah. But the other challenge is, again, because we're a global economy, we're no longer just a U.S.-based economy. Yeah. Uh, Forex, you can make money in, regardless of what the economy does. Yeah. But you have to have a team dedicated strictly to dealing with Forex all day, every day. Yeah. And uh, you have to have very intelligent people running those systems. Yeah. In, in that analysis. Um, and there goes some of our... Oh, somebody fellow aviators from the Navy base. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, there they go. They're flying overhead. Yeah, we're directly in the flight path. Yeah. Is that a, is that a 60? Is that a Seahawk? Oh, he just went behind the cloud. I, I can't oh, yeah, see it. it's a Seahawk. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Seahawk. They always come around here. They're pretty cool. Yeah. We enjoy them. Yeah. But um, does that help answer that? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, it's... You know, like you should always, you know, you should always be, you don't want to spend every paycheck. No, you want to, no. you know, you want, you want to spend every paycheck and you want to invest it into something that will appreciate. And correct. You know, and so we know that vehicles don't appreciate. Well, um, they used to not. Used to not. That's right. The yeah. used car market now is, I've never seen it in my entire life this way. Yeah. And I've done, we've done the data research and. I don't think this has ever happened in prior history, mm -mm. ever. So I mean, if somebody was saying it, you know, two, you know, three years ago, like, mm -hmm. hey, or actually, you know, take during coronavirus, right, when a bunch of dealerships are worried about being shut down, because like, you know, the way they operate their business, if they their have a month are or very two, small. yeah, yes. if they have a month or two or a month or two of not uh, selling any cars, Correct. that's bad. Oh yeah. Um, well, they don't actually own. The, see, most people don't understand the, the car business. 
the the dealerships do not actually own their vehicles they're leased and there yeah. are reinsurers and finance companies that back them yeah and if they don't sell x amount of inventory then they essentially get repossessed by the manufacturer yeah at a cost to the dealership yeah because you have to move the product the yeah. inventory correct yeah that's the agreement that they have correct so, I mean, that's a time when it was inverted, like all of a sudden, hey, guess what? You know, vehicles will appreciate. Well, we couldn't really see that happening. But I think it's going to be the same thing like it normally is, you know, invest in the stock market, real estate, mm -hmm. and put your money in traditional asset vehicles. Well, when precious it comes metals as well in commodities. Yeah. Um, we've been paying a lot more attention to commodities and precious metals um, as of the last 18 months as well. Yeah. Because those are staples. Yeah. In, in any recessionary uh, time. Yeah. Those are the those are the types of products and services that we have to look into to help mitigate that exposure to the markets and the bonds. Yeah. Um, or debt. I mean, that's what a bond is. It's debt. Yeah. So those are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They're, they're hedges against inflation. Yeah. So. Now, what do you think about a uh, cryptocurrency? Also, like, is that another? I mean, because like you. Because, I mean, like, would you want to go 100% into it? Is that the way of the future? No, or no. The, the cryptos, are again, they're another good hedge yeah. if you want to look at them as a commodity. Yeah. Be and it depends on which ones because there's thousands of them out there. Yeah. Um, but the two main ones are your Ethereum-based and your Bitcoin-based. Yeah. So we do pay attention to the cryptos as well because, again, they're an important uh, wave of the future. Yeah. Because they're not going to go away. Yeah. Uh, we see long-term, and when I say long-term, our... Our data shows within the next five to ten years, their growth is going to be exponential. Yeah. And anyone who has already paid attention in the last ten years. Yeah. Because Bitcoin officially, I, I believe, came out in March of 2012. Yeah. And anybody who had Bitcoin back then. That first Bitcoin purchase was a pizza that was correct. right here in Jacksonville. Twenty-two dollars, I think. I think something like that. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you're talking to the launching ground for Bitcoin or correct. where the first transaction took correct. place right here in Jacksonville. Yeah. And it was a younger, a younger uh, gentleman, if I'm not mistaken, 17, 18, 9 years old, something like that. Yeah. Was it Papa John's? I think so. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, yeah. So, I mean, they took it. They're like, yeah, okay, you use Bitcoin. Yeah. We'll take his currency. Here's That's your right. pizza. Yeah. And then the start of a start of a revolution. <laughs> That's right. So we do pay attention to those uh, correlators as well. Yeah. Because you have to. Yeah. Uh, again, it's a holistic approach, and at the end of the day, uh, you got to pay attention. Yeah. You have to be knowledgeable and be able to educate our clients and our prospective clients as to what their options are. At the yeah. End of the day. So who do you think? Who do you think? Uh, who do you think won when it came to their predictions? Jim Cramer or Peter Schiff? Who, Peter who's Sch riding their high horse Peter right Schiff. now? Peter Schiff. Peter Schiff. And not just him. There's several other people that. Um, are absolutely amazing and one of them doesn't get enough credit and I believe people need to pay attention to her she's a she's a brilliant uh, person and a great businesswoman yeah her name is Danielle DiMartino Booth I've never heard of her she before. used to work for the Dallas Fed mm-hmm um, and she went through the entire 08 bubble yeah as a Fed analyst and yeah. very high up within the chain of command of the Dallas Fed she wrote an amazing book if I'm not mistaken 2012 yeah called and the Fed yeah, okay. And she owns a company Never named Quill one. Intelligence. Quill Intelligence. Yes. They're, okay. They're a great resource. They're very affordable. Anybody can uh, follow them and pay them for their services. Yeah. And we highly recommend them. Even though I'm not an affiliate partner or anything, we don't make any money. Yeah. But we believe in sharing good data with our clients. Yeah. And good resources. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, who was it, uh, 
Greg, or, um, Gordon Gecko was the one that said information is the most valuable commodity. That is correct. It's a quote from Wall Street. If I yeah. I might have misquoted, but it was something like that. I think we just aged ourselves. Probably. I'm a little bit older than you are. Yeah, it was the first one. It was the yeah. It it was the first Wall Street movie. Well, he also said business never sleeps. Oh yeah, that's another one. Yeah. No, I, I age myself all the time when I talk about Sublime because, like, you know, Gen <laughs> Z, they know they, yeah. they know Sublime, and I can say Brad Knoll, they have no idea who that is. Yeah, that's true. And that's he was true. the original lead singer of Sublime, so. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Most people don't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so, like, if you just started listening to Sublime after they got their new face, per se, right. then they're like, wait, they're, who is that? Sounds different, yeah. 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 But, no, at the end of the day, our job is to educate people. Yeah. That's really it. And if we do a good enough job educating our clients and again servicing them properly, yeah, our clients stay with us generationally, yeah, and that's what matters because it's education, yeah, and that's really the simplest way to look at it. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this: if um, if one of your clients goes to you and says, Mario, I'm mad at you. I gave you this much money and I'm losing it right now because the stock market's crashing. Okay. What do you say to them? Well, very simply put, again, because we do a minimum of a monthly review with our clients, yeah, we address those facts and we say, well, listen, yeah, the market's down, everybody's mm-hmm. losing a little bit, including us. We're not perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. It yeah. doesn't exist. If we had that model, uh, we'd be one of the big boys, Yeah, which we're getting there, <laughs> little by little, we're getting there. There you go. Right? Because we're constantly building our, our book of clients and our assets under management. But at the end of the day, we make sure that we educate our clients at such a level that they're they're not passively working with us. They're actively working with us on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So we have conversations with them. We're, we're honest. We're not front. Yeah. You know, if they have worries about something, then we help educate them and then say, okay, how would you like to proceed forward? Yeah. It's, it's that simple. Yeah, gotcha. Well, that yeah, that's all I can do. It's it's about risk mitigation, not elimination. But you have to speak with them. And yeah. unfortunately, most people in our industry do not do that. Yeah. They they either run and hide and stick their head in the sand, or they say, write it out. I'm like, are you kidding me? What do you mean, write it out? Yeah. I, I, every time we hear that, we're like, jeez, you need to find another home for your monies, Mr. and Mrs. Client, yeah. or your assets, because you're not being treated well. Yeah. Yeah. What's uh what's the most difficult part of your job? Difficult part. Yeah. That's a very good question. Um my key role as the founder president and CEO of Herfy Financial Services at the end of the day and my team gave me this moniker. So the CEO aspect, they've called me and they call me the chief engagement officer. Ah. So my most challenging part on a day-to-day basis is keeping and growing the relationships we currently have, and not just with our clients, but also our different partners within our trusted advisor partner program network. Yeah, yeah. gotcha, okay. And it's honestly not really challenging. I look, it's, for me, it's fun, because I'm, I think, naturally apt for building and maintaining relationships. Yeah. Which is very important, I think, for any any CEO or C-suite level person yeah. in any organization to have those skills. And at the end of the day, I do my best every day. And again, I mean, you've got days that are challenging, absolutely. Yeah. Especially when markets do some weird stuff like we have seen lately. Yeah. But again, we have those conversations with our clients and we help alleviate a lot of those concerns. Yeah. It's, 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 that's it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. 
All right. Well, that's been yeah. All right. Well, we got a uh, we got a good podcast in, so we're right at thirty eight minutes, and then the camera's still going too. Also, um, I I think we can go ahead and call it right now. We're good. Is there anything else you wanted to add to the to the show today? I just wanted to say thank you, Jason, for joining the team of Trusted Advisor Network Partner Program. Uh, I think you joined us back in June. Yeah. So thank you. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm excited to be a part of it. Awesome. All right, folks. Uh, well, that's all that we have time for the show today. Uh, tune in to us next time. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Instagram, uh, Facebook, at French Catman. All right, we are out.